Next up on the Mutual Audio Network, fiction from our future. The following audio drama is rated restricted for anyone listening under the age of 17. Frequent or prolonged examples of adult situations, violence, or coarse language may apply. Now, we have a short amount of time left to us, and that was a lot to take in. So, any questions? Assuming everything you said here was true, Malcolm. It's so gracious the way you always give me the benefit of the doubt there, Phillips. Well, to be perfectly honest, everyone here is working from experience with the possible exception of Cole. Well, maybe Mr. Harriman is inclined to be slightly more charitable, seeing as I just saved his life along with Sir Phillips. Which reminds me, Mr. Harriman, I'm going to need a favor from you in a moment. If you say so. Assuming you're telling the truth... What's the end game for the Foundation here? Raising an army of Earthlings to try and conquer the Midlands? That's been tried before. It's never turned out very well. Oh, don't worry. That's definitely part of the plan here. But it's not the principal aim. No. The principal aim is a complete paradigm shift for humanity. In what sense? Allow me to answer that question, Miss Guillaume, with another question that I'm going to direct to Sir Phillips here. Because quite frankly, among all of us, he is the true authority on the subject. In spite of everything, I can still pass as a Midlander because of my appearance with my dark skin and my black hair. But you, Sir Phillips, there's really no doubting where you came from. As a former Earthling, Sir Phillips, I'm going to assume that throughout your life you felt a certain amount of underlying nervousness and trepidation from the various races of the Midlands. After all, the Earthlings' history of being so violent and xenophobic, well... Even with a limit-broken human such as yourself. You never know, do you? You never know when they could just sort of snap. But that's probably a downright relief compared to the suspicion and contempt that Earthlings are viewed with by Midlands humans, isn't it, Sir Phillips? But even that is nothing, nothing compared to the contempt with which Earthlings are held by expatriate Earthlings. Am I right? You and I understand them in a way that no one else here could. We were born among them. We lived among them. We saw the world through their perspective. We saw the world through their mindset. And you and I truly understand what barbarians Earthlings really are. Enough! In case you didn't know, Malcolm, I'm part Earthling myself. No, you're not, Nero Guillaume. You're a goblin, a Midlander born and raised around people whose lifeblood is compassion and gregariousness and kindness. Your people are not petty, cruel, and violent almost from birth, are they, Sir Phillips? What was it like when you first moved to the Midlands as a child? To be surrounded by children from other species who didn't physically, verbally, mentally, and spiritually assault you on a daily basis merely for being. To be surrounded by adults, parents, teachers who protected you. Who you didn't view as oppressors at best and predators at worst. To be surrounded by people whom you knew, if anything bad ever happened, would be there to help you. To protect you, not simply laugh at you, mock your circumstance, or step over your corpse. Don't get me wrong, all of you. There are good and kind and just and wonderful people worth preserving and worth saving on the Earth. Probably more now than I've ever been since even the Terra Cataclysm, thanks to the opening of the road. But then there's everyone else. 
I want you to imagine that throng of humanity with all of their pent-up petty atrocities and all of their bloodlust, bottled inside of them, just waiting for someone in a position of authority, someone that they will not question to come along with a pair of clippers, slip it through the wire, pop the cork, and direct that madness. To say unto them here, I have given you permission to commit violence and murder and genocide. It's all okay now. Go forth and conquer and destroy in whatever name you can think of. I want you to imagine those people being granted actual power. Power not unlike perhaps yours, Sir Phillips. Imagine them in their millions, billions perhaps, turning on each other, turning on non-humans and humans alike, marching on the Midlands towards Bell Tower, backed by the forces of the Foundation, backed with the power of the angels if they can swing such a thing. Not to mention the weapons of mass destruction that Earthlings have so cleverly accumulated over the last hundred or so years. Imagine the amount of death and bloodshed on both sides. Now, the question is, can the Foundation accomplish such a thing? I highly doubt it. But in my incredibly long lifespan, I've had so many doubts shattered that I don't think anyone should be willing to take a chance. And that's a long-term consideration for another day. Right now, we are dealing with an angel. Any other questions? Yeah, I got one. Wouldn't the angels actually want this to be fused with humanity to let their power be unleashed? Possibly in the long term, but not as slaves. My family knew more about the angels than probably any other humans in history, and even I can't tell you what the angels truly are or what truly motivates them, but I do know one thing. Like every other intelligent creature in this universe, they do not like to be slaves. Whatever it is that they're after, ultimately, it's going to be on their terms and on no one else's. You said St. Rita's Hospital was built by Avenova. By one of the corporations they had infected, yes. Avenova's presence is throughout the entire building, right down to the I-beams that support the walls. That's why the Foundation chose it. A perfect beacon point. A place of power to attract an angel to it. In the hospital on the off-road, we found all these flyers and posters that advertised Avenova with their eyes scratched out, and the Avenova symbol scrawled on the walls, and that scratched out as well. That would have been Helen's influence. She's been terrified of the angels ever since birth, and for very good reason. Her worshippers and her followers and all the various versions of the hospitals picked up on that, and they translated it into hatred for the angels and anything that represents them. In this case, Avenova. If ever they found the symbol, their first instinct was to defile it. So who are these followers, then? Simple workers in the hospital or people who were hired for the Five Points Project who fell under her sway when they became worshippers, when her power overwhelmed them. They were put into the test area, or sometimes into the hospital on the off-road, to, to become orderlies or fade away. Didn't anybody notice these people were missing? They might have, if not for the presence of an angel in the very building where they were employed, one who was in a sleeping, dreaming state, one whose symbol is water, the unconscious mind, one who has a habit of rearranging your memory of things. That's why we couldn't keep the shape of the river straight. Oh, was there a river there? Yeah, kind of a S-shape or straight, depending on how you looked at it. Nothing living in it. Yeah, running through a sea of reeds. Why? That would be the same water that's inside all of these containers. So it's related to the angel? My dear, that river is the angel. The dreaming part of its body, as I said, they divided it over three spaces. Its mind, which existed in and out of the test area. 
Its dreaming state, which is the river that could flow through all three places, but resides principally in the Midlands. And lastly, the part that would take its potential physical form, that they housed in the hospital on Earth, inside the chapel. Turvey, I believe you mentioned something about the chapel earlier, didn't you? Yeah, a dark wooded crucifix with what looked like roots growing into the floor. It was cracking open, something inside trying to get out. Didn't happen to get a look at it, did you? Just a glimpse. It was a wall of purple-gray flesh sliding behind the cracks in the crucifix. Way too big for the space it was supposed to be confined in, clearly. That would be its new physical form. The worm. It's basically insane now. Whatever intelligence that angel might have possessed has been subverted by a lust for blood and vengeance. And Helen's soul is being used as a directional mechanism, if not a control one. That's what they plan on unleashing on the Earth. So how do we stop it? Well, it's about time. I was thinking none of you were going to ask me that question at this late hour. We have several problems here. First of all, even though the angel has merged with Helen and can take physical form, it's not exactly physical form as we understand it. Right now, it's trying to manifest itself on the city and Earth. But it's going to be less like Godzilla attacking that city and more like a storm with something very nasty at its center spreading outward from the hospital. Now, in order to truly stop it, we're going to have to give it a bit of a boost. Make it solid enough to be destroyed, which is where I believe your invisible friend comes in. You are listening to all of this, aren't you? Oh, with rapt attention, of course. Good. I felt your presence flitting all around the hospital ever since Kasperzak forced you away from Phillips. Seems to me you've been spending a lot of time with our celestial friend, haven't you? Purely for informational purposes, I assure you. But yes... I know exactly what we are dealing with. Anger, humiliation, frustration, furious bloodlust. Howls for vengeance, no matter where it may be found. Yes, that sounds about right. Keep that in mind, will you please? We're going to need you to flush that out into the open. With pleasure. Now, this room we are in is currently in void space. The only thing holding it together is my will. It would have dissolved and broken up long ago if not for me. I have moved it back, closer to the hospital. But not just the hospital on Earth, but rather the configuration of power that that hospital represents, as well as the one near the Midlands, and as well as the former test area. The test area is gone, but the other two hospitals still exist. And I can connect this space to either one of those, and I have chosen to connect it to the one on the off-road. The off-road? But the angel's on Earth. True, Miss Guillaume, but the angel draws its power to manifest its physical form from the configuration the Foundation has set up. It's as if it's standing with one foot through an open door, if you will. Now, suppose we could call that angel back through the open door and summon it to us here. And, as the last child of the royal family of Sodom, I just happen to possess the knowledge to do that very thing. Then comes the tricky part. We cut the cord. Sever the connection to the power configuration, linking all of this to the planet Earth. The effect on the hospital there will be fairly catastrophic, but at least they won't have an angel to deal with in the aftermath. With no connection to the Earth, it will have no choice but to follow us to the off-road. And there it can be dealt with in a less populated area. I think that would be the wisest choice, don't you? Well, I can't argue with logic like that. No, me neither. Yeah, it's got my vote. So you can do this, Malcolm. 
You can get us back to the off-road, summon the angel, and cut the connection to the earth. Yes. Well, that brings us to the next difficulty, doesn't it? Getting us to the off-road is no problem, but I'm only going to have the strength left to accomplish one of those two things. Old Malcolm's got one last trick up his sleeve, I'm afraid. Well, summoning the angel's the important part. Can't we just do that? Let me guess. If we start fighting and winning and we don't close the door to the earth, it's just going to head right back there, isn't it? Exactly, only we'll have no way of following it. And if we try closing the door without summoning it, then it will slip through and continue its attack. Perhaps less powerful, but still lethal nonetheless. So what's our option, then? That is where Sir Philip's servant comes in once again. I expect you know the presence of the angel by now. Oh, most certainly. Good. Then I want you to reach out and touch my mind. I'm going to pass along one of my family's secrets to you. The ability to summon an angel, to call it to your side. I see. Oh, most interesting. I shall put this to good use. I am adding this to your arsenal in your war against the angels, Sir Phillips. Be careful in its use, though. It is extremely powerful and potentially quite dangerous. The subject you call might not be willing to appear, or all too willing to appear. In either case, be certain never to call up that which you cannot dismiss. I'll bear that in mind. See that you do. Have you got it yet? Oh, yes. Good. Before you go, though, I have one last piece of information that I would like you to pass along to our celestial friend. A personal note, if you will. I want it to know exactly with whom it is dealing. Ah, yes. I understand. I will be certain to pass along your regards. I'll thank you to do so. And so there is our plan. You summon the angel and give it strength. I will sever the connection to the earth and bring the fight here. And then, I'm afraid, the difficult part is up to you and your friends, Sir Phillips. Killing Helen, you mean? I mean releasing her. She's had such a limited life, through no fault of her own. She has been an experiment. She has suffered in isolation and in fear and in pain. And now her soul has been reduced to a mere series of directions for a weapon. And deep inside that weapon, deep inside its rudimentary brain, she is still conscious and aware and suffering. And if you, as I, cannot conceive of abandoning her to that fate, then you will do what I no longer can. You will save her. And if that's not persuasive enough, then know this, Phillips. That's celestial. It, too, has lived in darkness and in pain and in isolation for many, many years. And now it has only one objective. Vengeance. If not on the foundation, then upon whomever crosses its path. It does not care. If you do not end this, if you do not finish this job back in the hospital on the off-road, then it will escape. It will make its way to the Midlands. It will find the first civilized area and begin its slaughter. And while I have no doubt that the powerful and brave people of the Midlands will be able to muster the strength to overcome this adversary, how many innocent lives will be lost before then? I'm not the heroic type, Phillips. And frankly, I am incapable of giving a damn about innocent lives there or upon the earth. But if protecting them motivates you to get this job done, then so be it. Fair enough, Malcolm. 
I just hope you don't get too much blood on your hands while you're applauding from the sidelines. Oh, what a pleasant thought, Sir Phillips. But unfortunately, I won't be there to cheer on your victory because I'll be previously occupied. <laughs> Mr. Harriman, about that favor. The hell you won't be there after all this! Phillips, we are still in the void. This isn't like dropping you off at the movies. In order to get you to where I need you to be, I need to build a safe space for you to land in. I have to build a temporary bridge between the void space and the hospital in the off-road. And then you have to step onto that bridge and use your servant to summon the angel to you. And then from inside here, I have to sever the connection to the earth. And then... And then... I'm going to close this door behind you. And you can see yourselves out. Now, Mr. Harriman... About that favor. Whoa, whoa, wait, Malcolm. What are you talking about? I mean, Miss Guillaume, that I won't be able to enjoy your final victory because I will be staying here. You said you weren't going to have enough power left after all of this. Oh, I won't. Not for anything important. Just probably enough to keep me alive. But my life and my will is the only thing keeping this room from dissolving into the void. And if I leave, it will break up. So what the hell would you stay here for? Look around this room, all of you. In these canisters... 144 lives created by the Foundation for a purpose they no longer serve. They abandoned them. They were supposed to be destroyed when the hospital was wrecked by the Angel. But I retrieved them. And now I am the only thing keeping them alive. In the only state they have ever known. In darkness and in fear and in loneliness. And they are crying out for someone or something to reach them. You can't hear it, but I can. I can hear it in my blood. An unending chorus of despair. But with that same blood, I can answer them. I can reach out and take their hands and hold them until the end. So they will know that this existence of theirs was not all there was. That there was at least someone out there who cared. That is the least I can do for what is left of my family. Now, Mr. Harriman, that favor. I would like you to give me your hunting knife. Malcolm, you don't have to do this. Oh, that's where you're wrong, Sir Phillips, because I'm afraid I do. We can wait for you, Malcolm. This is going to take entirely too long, and you don't have time to wait around for me if you're going to act the hero. We might be able to find a way to retrieve you from the void. Enough! It's enough. I have watched everything I have ever known and loved crumble into ashes in my hands so many times. And I have gotten up, and I have walked away alone. And each time I have tried to forget. But I can't. I remember it all. I have lived so long, and I cannot forget all of those things that I have lost. It's enough. I am going to stay here. And I will sing these children to their rest. And after that, I am going to put an end to my loneliness. Mr. Harriman, if you please. All right, then. I hope you don't mind. I mean, I would have asked for one of Miss Guillaume's uh, for sentimental reasons, but those look sort of gaudy and expensive. Thanks for that. Here you go. Thank you. Oh, my. That is a rather quality piece of cutlery, isn't it? 
I'll be able to put this to good use later on. Now then, before I humiliate myself any further, we appear to have arrived. Sir Phillips, I shall return to my vessel and await your command. Malcolm, thank you for the information. It was most enlightening. Just be sure to get your job done. And that goes double for the rest of you. I'm going to construct the bridge now. It's going to be a temporary space, but it'll essentially be a replica of the sub-level area beneath the hospital that Turvey, Miss Guillaume, and myself came through. Once you're there, I'm going to close this door, summon the angel, and then I will sever the connection to Earth as soon as I know it's coming. It should arrive shortly thereafter, bringing all of the energy that's spread across the dimensions with it. That will connect this bridge to the hospital and the off-road. When you say shortly thereafter, how long are we talking? Oh, uh, Minute. Oh. Plenty of time to prepare for the battle of your lives. I'm sure you're all professionals, aren't you? Oh, just do it. <laughs> with pleasure, Sir Phillips. Shenona, Kenstro Kaya, Kati, Xkia, Kastanoma, Motechitna, Morpuerto, Kestela, Ka, Tanstonamatan, Hojite, Berkazina, Tanstonish, Yakaya Matas! Now, it's time to end this. You have been listening to the account the Tale of the Waking World, The Lightning for Hire, Part 19. Written and performed by Kyan Chris Conroy as part of the Technical Difficulties podcast series. To contact me, it's techdiff at gmail.com. Follow us at twitter.com slash techdiff and look for Technical Difficulties over on Facebook. To be continued next time on The Account, A Tale of the Waking World. And we're almost at the finish line, aren't we, folks? Hello, Cayenne here, and I'd like to thank you all for listening to this episode of The Account, A Tale of the Waking World. Uh, what information to give you. Next week is, in all likelihood... See, I was really torn in just a moment there right at the end to say, to be concluded next time on The Account, A Tale of the Waking World. And I'm 90% sure that's going to happen, but I'm going to feel like a huge tool if I got to the next episode and said, I kind of need one more to finish this, but... Uh, Next week, in all likelihood, should probably be the conclusion of this story. Um, that's going to depend on a few things, not least of which is, if you follow my Twitter feed, uh, this being Friday, um, the bad news around here is that my dog, uh, Hoover, our beloved our beloved pooch, Hoover, uh, who was diagnosed with lymphoma, was going through chemo. Um, unfortunately, we were just on the second-to-last treatment for the chemotherapy, and his lymphoma returned. It was briefly in remission, and uh, and it came back, which is what it does. So we're going to have to continue the treatment for him in the hopes that maybe this will will um, will drive it back into remission again. But it doesn't look, um, you know, that that's that's not a good sign. So with any luck, well, I don't know. With any luck, we'll hopefully get it back into remission, and hopefully we have to continue, you know, indefinitely with chemo treatments until the poor dog dies. But um, we might. 
or it might not work, and he may be gone in a short period of time. But he's healthy, and he's happy. Well, he's not healthy, but he's happy, and he's comfortable, and he's energetic, and he seems to be all right otherwise, so don't feel too bad for him. And he's had a really pampered life, a little bastard. But, uh, yeah, so that's the news around here. So barring any sort of sudden, you know, oh, my God, we have to deal with something in emergency fashion during the week next week or some health, you know, any sort of unforeseen catastrophe, there will be another episode up next Friday, and hopefully it'll be done. I'm hoping by the end of August this whole thing is finally, finally done. There's a lot to cap off, but I'll try to get it all done in that period of time. And um, as always... I'm accepting donations over at techdiff at gmail.com if you're willing to PayPal me, which I put towards buying new equipment. And after that, uh, after that, I'm going to finish the account. I'm going to take a little bit of time off, which I know is really unfair to you guys because um, the um, I didn't, you know, I took so much time. I wasn't recording for you guys. I was recording for a job. And uh, the, as a result, you you didn't get a lot of material, new material, but um, I was generating more material than I ever had. I've said this before, but if you're new to the series and this is the first time you're listening, then you'll be hearing me saying this. I was doing an audiobook. I'll also tell you when that audiobook is about to be released, because it should be any week now. Um, and uh, what else? Um, but yeah, so I'm going to take a little bit of a break, partially because I have to tear down my equipment and rebuild it. I've got all this new equipment, and I'm putting it in, and I'm just trying to sort of figure it out. And I think I need to start over from scratch to try to get the sound to sound what I think it's going to sound like, what I hope it sounds like, and what I want it to sound like. And that means if anybody who's ever worked in audio will tell you, as soon as you start getting a new piece in your chain of equipment, you got to rip the whole thing apart and start over so you can get back to where you were, you hope. Um, and it's a trial and error thing, and it's never really settled, you know, as long as you've got more equipment coming in, and I got some more equipment coming in. And if you send me money, I'll be able to buy even more equipment and make my life even more complicated. Uh, also, go over to uh, uh, go to my Facebook page or my Twitter feed, and uh, you will find a link uh, to Dialed In. Dialed In is a company that makes audio dramas, and I don't have their... I don't have their address right here for the particular episode. Dialed in audio dramas. Uh, just go look that up in Google if you need be. I they just put up a series. Um, they just put up a, an audio play called Jesus Gets Rejected that I was featured in. So if you'd like to hear me do some more performing, that was something else I did way back. When did I do that? Um, back late last year, or early this year. Um, but anyway, I did. Uh, I got to play Jesus in a very very comedic little uh, play that we did over Skype, which. Um, we actually rec- we actually would direct it over Skype and recorded it ourselves, and they assembled it on the other end, and I'm I'm very happy with it. So go over and give that a listen if you please, and I will uh, I'll be back again next week, and uh, well, you can listen for me then. Take care, you guys. Bye. <laughs>